welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Scherninski. I am one of your hosts, and I am joined my regular co-host, Anna. Hey, Anna. Hey, Paul Scott. I am so glad to be here with you. Happy Monday, if you're listening to this right away. Uh, it was uh, Baptism of the Lord Sunday. Yes. And um, what's going on at the church this week? What's coming up next week? Well, it's going to be a massive, wonderful, awesome week. January 22nd, Sunday. Of course, we have 8.30 worship. We've got Sunday school. We've got 11 o'clock worship, not to be missed. But at 3 o'clock, we are having an organ recital. Um, We have invited this amazing organist to come in. He's going to play. Um, We have a spectacular organ here, and that's... Um, a Fisk organ. People love to play it. And so we're going to have a concert at three o'clock. And it is in honor of Vance Harper Jones's retirement. We'll be celebrating him in worship at 11 on the 29th. But this recital is um, a gift to him. It's open to the community. There's no charge. It's just going to be some amazing organ music. And you'll hear our organ played in a really spectacular way. So, And that's uh, three o'clock? Three o'clock. Three o'clock on Sunday. It's going to be next level. I will be here. It's going to be awesome. Next level is exactly the right way to describe that. Okay. Next on the uh, list is, uh, what's up? Uh, did the church adopt a cat? I see a, a oh, cat yes. that looks like a cow around here sometimes. Yes. Um, it has been for several months now. Um, this cat shows up from time to time. We named him Oreo Jr. because he is a black and white cat. Um, and he's a small cat, but shows up. And we started noticing he only showed up when there were kids around or when there's something happening. But if there are kids on the playground, that cat is over here. And and we got a little curious because should we be caring for this cat? Does this cat need food? Does it need medicine? What does it need? So we put it on the gram and some neighbors responded and it's their cat. The cat is loved, has a good home, has gotten regular vet care, um, has children that love it. But this cat just is um, an extrovert cat. And so when there are people around, this cat shows up. So we don't need to feed it. It has a home, but we are welcome to pet it, um, enjoy its company as much as it would like. And the the only unfortunate part of this story is that its name is, in fact, not Oreo, but Spanky. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Is, is the cat's name Phil or something? But no, it's Spanky. Spanky? I was it named by one of the kids, probably. I'm guessing, but um, but I might continue to call it Oreo. But but of, we are glad to know it's got a home and it's loved and it's cared for. Of all things, when I was younger, I had a rabbit and um, a pet rabbit, which is I don't I don't recommend. But um, I want they my parents let me name it, mm-hmm. and I my head was two choices. I was a kid, so I had two choices. One choice was baby, okay, of course, and then second choice was Godzilla, and <laughs> they sort of steer. I think my mom. The actually the rabbit acted more like Godzilla, but anyways they steered me more towards baby. baby. So I had, I had a rabbit named Baby. Um, okay, well that brings us to the last thing on our list. The um, this is big time. The deep side. For, for those of you, I wish I wish I could go back in time and be at um, the service in person um, last Sunday. This is when we debuted the Star Words. This is where you draw a Star Word out of a basket, and this is a word that you reflect on and you pray about and you kind of see what it means to you for a whole year, right? Yes. And and I heard, not even from you, I heard that these were painstakingly made, they were printed, they were laminated, they were cut out. And in the sermon, live in the sermon, what, what happened? Yes. So I've been doing Star Wars for several years. I think it's helpful because as 
you know, typically this week, we got lots of calls from people want to come get a star word. So I like having a little explanation of the star word on the back of the card. You might suspect I am a little bit extra. I don't just do words on stars. I have an explanation and I laminate them so it can fit in your wallet. Um, so the explanation, as I'm preaching, I'm thinking it would be helpful just to read what's on the back of the card. So I lift up my card, turn to the back, start to read, and see the typo. Um, that was the moment I discovered we had a typo. Now, later on, I found out there are, there are, in fact, two typos. In the moment, I only saw one. And from people in church, I have been told that I had something of a visceral response to discovering my typo, completely my fault. Um, I heard I, from some of our um, um, staff and, and, and some of our um, uh, members that, yeah, it was great. Seeing um, you... Realize the typo in real time was to yeah. die for. Um, apparently, the color of my face changed. Um, I, I am sure my blood pressure went through the roof. Um, it was just this all the moments of realization of your, imperfection. Your Apple Watch, your Apple Watch probably sent, uh, sent warning, notifications yes. to, to your husband. Um, I do not... Um, Having my imperfections on full display without me being able to prepare for it in advance was not an enjoyable moment for me. It was like a real-life social media post that you could not go back and edit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, I will say this, and then I hope to forget about it completely. Um, it was a moment of humanity. Um, I said something about needing a car that said grace. Um, and in fact, my word is beloved. And I think that I can be beloved even when I make mistakes. Okay, is, good. You worked it in. Yeah. Yeah. If your oh, card would have been like humble or something, my brain would have exploded. But I would rather not have mistakes like that. I do not. And, and that I had worked on this so diligently and had missed it completely. Um, we did make the decision because we made 500 star cards um, because people want them throughout the year. They'll get combined. Um, we're just going to leave them. I'm not going to fix them. However, next year, we will know that they are next year's stars cards because they will not have the typos. Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're basically limited edition at this point. Sure. If you can Let's get one of your 2023 star word cards. I will say that one of the kindest things that came out of this was um, that you noticed it and Catherine Campbell noticed it on Thursday. And you decided not to tell me because you knew that I would be upset about it and that I would spend my entire weekend redoing all of these star cards, which you are 110% correct about. And I have been so touched that my colleagues knew how I would react to that and chose not to tell me. That has been a real gift of kindness for which I am grateful. Well, no problem. I actually realized it while we were recording the <laughs> podcast last week and we didn't, we, the show must go on. Um, Jesus is not concerned, I suspect, about my typo. I, I agree with that. Yes. Well, I, the hard part is living into that, not just saying the words, but living into it because it bothers me. Well, everyone, if you didn't get a star card, a star word card, mm -hmm. uh, contact the church or come by and you can get one. If you lose yours, if you want to, it's also fair to turn it back in if it just wasn't it the is. word. I told people this morning and I told them then, if, if you get a word that is triggering or upsetting or distasteful for you, put it back in and get a different word out. That's fine. What I did also caution is that if you choose 10 words and you want to reject all of them, you might want to ask some bigger questions. But if you're just trading it out a couple of times, not a problem at all. 
All right. Well, everyone, we hope you have a fabulous week. We will uh, see you um, at the big organ recital probably on Sunday in service. We've still got services on YouTube and um, we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, Paul Scott. I hope you have a good week. Let us pray. Almighty God, in this season, in all seasons, you invite us to seek Christ's revelation. In the reading of our scripture today, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, not only who Christ is in this moment, but who he is calling us to be. May this knowledge change us. We ask it in your name. Amen. And today we read from the Gospel of Matthew, the third chapter. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. This is what Jesus says when John protests and does not think that he should be the one baptizing Jesus. John is not wrong. It is not appropriate for him to be baptizing Jesus, Jesus who is the Son of God, Jesus who is God, Jesus who is sinless. It isn't appropriate, but Jesus is not about appropriate. He's about God's will. And how John responds when Jesus says this to him is something that I believe happens far too infrequently, certainly in my own life. Given new information, hearing what Jesus says, John changes his mind. He makes a different decision. He reverses. Yes, he will baptize Jesus for righteousness' sake. Eugene Boring identifies righteousness as one of the key images and key important topics in the Gospel of Matthew. He writes, both righteousness and fulfillment are key Matthean theological themes. Righteousness here means, as often elsewhere, doing the revealed will of God. Here, fulfill means to simply do, perform. And the meaning is that it is necessary for both John and Jesus to do God's will, which includes the baptism of Jesus. The plural us links John and Jesus together as partners in carrying out God's saving plan. They are partners in carrying out God's saving plan. And this plan is one in which John and Jesus have been called and Jesus has been created, the Son of God, the Word made flesh. 
We know this. We know that Jesus is the Word made flesh. But these were the very early days, before the formal ministry begins. And there are times when I cannot help but wonder, was he ready? Did Jesus know what was ahead? Was he ready for all that was in store for him? That question about readiness is one that I think most of us ask from time to time. We ask of ourselves and we ask of the people we love. As parents, have we prepared our children for the world in which they will live, the world they will face? Are we ready to let go of someone that we love? Are we ready for that hard conversation we need to have? Are we ready to take on that new goal, that new responsibility? Was Jesus ready? Was Jesus ready for what was ahead of him? The teaching and the healing, the arguments about him, the betrayals, the meals, the questions. Was he ready? Could he be ready for all that the world would do to him? All that they would say and react with his teachings of love and forgiveness, his acts of acceptance, his actions that supported justice, his generosity beyond reason, his hope beyond practicality. All of the things that Jesus was about to embody and share, was the world ready for it? I'm not sure I can answer that question. I don't really think that's the question the text is asking because the text doesn't ask, is Jesus ready? It proclaims that he is called and Jesus has answered that call. He answers that call when he proclaims that he is there to be baptized by John, not because it is his own desire or the desire of the people, but because it is God's desire. It is God's desire and it is the path that God has placed before his son, Jesus. God affirms this in the words that are uttered by the Holy Spirit after the baptism in that voice from heaven. Words that speak to Jesus's place and his purpose and his calling. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. These are words that openly echo a passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 42. I quoted from part of this passage earlier in the service, but it's directly quoting Isaiah 42 verse one, where it says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Are any of us ever really ready to accept God's call? And I cannot help but wonder if like in this passage, is that the wrong question? If instead of asking, am I ready? Am I able? Should the only question we ask be, is God calling? Actor, and comedian Patton Oswalt may not be someone you know, since most of his work and his comedic routines rank well above PG-13. I know him for many of his acting roles, but it's the comedy that is his main work. So if you don't know him, it's okay. But what you should know about him is that in 2016, Patton Oswalt had a really horrible year. His wife died suddenly, unexpectedly in her sleep one night and left him a widow and parent, single parent of an elementary age daughter named Alice. 
He's written poignantly and gut-wrenchingly about what this grief did to him and how it consumed him. And more recently, he's written about what it was like to take on the role of being a single parent, particularly since he had been a parent who traveled a good bit and wasn't home all the time. He'd never intended to be a single stay-at-home parent. At the end of his article about this, he concludes, you will never be prepared for anything you do, ever. Not the first time. Training and practice are out the window the second they meet experience. But you'll get better. I have subjective yet ironclad knowledge of this. This is my first time being a single father. I've missed forms for school. I've forgotten to stock the fridge with food she likes. I've run out of socks for her. I've run out of socks for me. It stunk and it was a hassle every time. But the world kept turning. I said, whoops, my bad, and I fixed it and kept stumbling forward. Now I know where to buy the socks that she likes. I asked two parents at her school to help me with forms and scheduling. I'm getting good at sniffing out weekend activities and scheduling playdates and navigating the city and to get her everywhere she needs to go and wherever, everywhere I need to go every day. I work a creative job, but I live a practical life, he says. And if I can persuade a comedy club full of indifferent drunks to like me, I can have a daughter ready for soccer on Saturday morning. I'm beginning to keep I'm going to keep going forward, he writes, looking stupid and clumsy and inexperienced at first, then eventually getting it until the next jolt comes and the next floor drops out from under me until there are no more floors. Was Jesus ready? I don't know, but I suspect that he wasn't because being ready wasn't the most important thing about what was ahead for him. It wasn't about being ready, it was about being called. And as I've said before and will say many times again in ministry, God does not call the equipped, God equips the called. In baptism, in ordination, in the words given to Jesus when he is beside the River Jordan, Jesus was being equipped for a life and a ministry and a death for which there is no real preparation. There's only the way of living it. We make the road by walking. And so it is for us, isn't it? Beyond the basic skills and lessons, can anyone really prepare you for the things that are most important in life? Can you really prepare for what it means to be married or being a parent or for being an elder, not just participating in, but leading a congregation or not an elder, but what about a Sunday school teacher or a committee member, an usher? Or how about committing to living a life of faith and discipleship? I don't know that we can ever really be prepared for that. And maybe that's not the question. It's about being called. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. So instead of asking when we hear God's voice, am I ready or am I able? Maybe our question should start and end with, is God calling? In his inaugural address at Union Presbyterian Seminary, the president of that seminary, the Reverend Dr. Brian Blunt, tells a powerful story. He tells about a time when he was a young child, no more than eight years old, and in the middle of the night, he was woken up. 
He was woken up with this odd sense and strong sense of God being present with him in the room. And at the time, he wasn't sure how to respond. He knew that God was in somehow around him, but he was scared. And so he hid under the covers until he finally went back to sleep and God's presence was no longer felt around him. He said that he doesn't believe in carrying regrets. And he did answer that call to ministry several years later, but that he has always held a little bit of regret for allowing fear to overtake him that night and not facing God when God made himself known to him. But he had concluded his sermon with these words. Most of us are in hiding, he concluded. We're in hiding not only because the realities of the world around us can be so threatening and so hopeless as to be nightmarish, but also because Jesus has called to us to come out from our hiding places and engage in the realities of our world can be equally terrifying. And so we take the fragile, thin thread of rational thinking about what is possible, twist it through the tiny little eye of what we can realistically expect, fasten it to the spindly little needle of what is probable and practical, and sew what we've accumulated into predictable patterns and reasonable expectations, and knit for ourselves an unremarkable, unexceptional, uninspiring Christian cover story that shelters us from exposure to the dangerous opportunities that call out to us, even in those moments when we know we want to get up and be somewhere and someone else. We don't want to remain in hiding, do we? But so often we allow that fear of, I'm not ready, I don't have what I need to get in the way, instead of simply asking, is God here and am I called? Because friends, we are all called to something, some step of faith, some commitment in our lives, some letting go, some picking up and some letting down. We're all being called to go someplace and be something. Jesus's journey to the Jordan River to be baptized by John speaks to what it takes to embark upon a journey of faith when you don't have a clear and certain vision for exactly the steps you will take ahead. It's the confidence that God is the one who is sending us that we need and knowing that God will travel alongside us, the promise that will sustain us, God who will provide for us when we want. And it is trusting in this assurance that helps us to know that instead of asking, am I ready or am I able, the question is, is this of God? Let it be so now. Not only are these Jesus's words, let these be our words too. Let it be so now. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Friends, let us go out into the world in peace. Have courage to answer God's call. Have wisdom in knowing when God is speaking and know that wherever we go, you are God's beloved child. Alleluia. Amen. Mm-hmm.